So what do you know about Roseanne Barr? She farms. She does? <laughs> yeah. Is her farm in Hawaii? Where is her farm? Would you believe this is the 20th episode of the 17-Minute Podcast? It's true. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. So kick back and relax. Here we go. Last time I checked, it was. I Who knows? She could have moved to Nebraska for all I know. Hawaii might be a little left-wing for her. Joe had her on the show at a very controversial time. Was this recently? No, this is back when she got kicked off of her, off her own show. Okay, so this was like several generations of Roseanne Barr. She has not changed since she was on the JRE. She's the same Roseanne Barr. This is the final emanation. This is when she flowered out and that was it. There's nothing else coming. Right? Like, she changes on a dime. Why did Joe have her on? That was the question that was asked back in the day. And to be honest with you, I get mad props for Joe Rogan. Mad props. And mad props for the JRE. And the reason why he had her on is because her craziness is only a phase. Like, he's looking at a Roseanne that he's known for generations. He probably first met her in 1997, 98. Okay. He was just starting, and she was, like, on top of the world. Roseanne was the first, in case you forget, to have two women kissing on her show. Yeah. Roseanne broke that barrier. She broke that barrier. And she was very much supportive of LGBT rights back in her heyday. And she's like, I'll put it on my show. Like, I think Ellen tried it next, but Roseanne was the one that says, I'll do it. I'm not scared. And she made the stand for a lot of people. She went out into a baseball game and she grabbed her crotch and she sung real horribly and she threw out the first pitch. And people were furious at her for that. That was 1990. That was like 30 years ago. Isn't that amazing? And at that time, Roseanne had one of the number one shows on television, and she broke barriers. When you live close to the edge, sometimes you fall. And she definitely fell off the edge. And when she came back, like 2016, I think initially she was like, I like Bernie Sanders. But that was only for like a fraction of a second. Boom. And then she changed to like, nah, I like Trump. Roseanne's a comic, so a lot of times her humor borderlines racism. She'll say some racy things because she thinks it's funny, and she just pushed the envelope once too many times. She said a couple of things that were definitely perceived as racist. There was a time in the 90s you could get away with that. You know, 80s, you could do it all day long. Uh, 2000s, it wasn't as cool, but by the time she did this last time, it bit her in the ass. And she compared like somebody in Obama's cabinet to Planet of the Apes. And she says, I was on Ambien. Who knows? You know, let's just take it at face value. She's popping Ambien and she's hopping online. And she's hyping and she's half out of her mind. And she's probably drinking too. And she sits the crazy shit and fell asleep, woke up the next day and her life was ruined. Why are we talking about Roseanne? I get why Joe had her on the show. I don't follow her much anymore. I thought her show turned into garbage in my opinion just because she just went down the hill with the whole trump cult thing and she just showed what the potential for all of us have to fall off the edge for something that we i don't want to say believe in but we buy into she really bought into it she bought into the hook line and sinker and she got into the q anon thing and that's what she is today she's like q anon culty 
I just wonder if she'll ever come back. I wonder if that's it. Not that she needs to. She makes enough money on her farm probably to be self-sustained. Everybody comes back until they're dead. I also don't want to find myself saying that, oh, anybody who's fallen into the QAnon trapdoor is never going to come out. I have a little more faith in people than that. We change so much, some of us faster than others. New stuff happens to us that can put us on a new trajectory that, you know, we might not have expected. Who knows what will happen to Roseanne Barr next and where she'll find herself. I don't think we can say that about anybody. It's hard to predict what's even going to happen tomorrow. For all we know, again, I'm waiting for the big meteor to come down any day now. Are there Krakens that live on these meteors that are coming? You know, octopuses, octopuses. Allegedly, that's where octopus came from. Some believe that they came from space debris. I've read it online that they believe that aliens landed here and that, <laughs> seriously, I swear, an octopus are in the garbage that the aliens left behind. <laughs> As opposed to being part of the evolutionary history of, the, of this planet that somehow they just got introduced, specifically octopus. Not any, not any other animals, just octopus. Me personally, I would have said platypus because they're also fascinating and they don't look like they belong anywhere. An octopus can live on land, it can live in water, it can get out of a jar, a sealed jar. Have you watched on Netflix, My Octopus Teacher? No. What is it? You will understand beautifully all the things that you do not understand about octopus if you watch that movie. It's delightful. I never cried over sea life and especially over octopuses, but I cried over this octopus. Why does he die in the end? Every octopus dies in the end. They must eat him in the very end, huh? Who they? Whoever made the stupid film on it. You're the one who watched it. I didn't. It's your octopus. It's not mine. <laughs> it's not my octopus. What's the name of the show? My Octopus Teacher. It's on Netflix. It's about a guy who goes diving and he finds this octopus and he discovers all kinds of things. Actually, really interesting things about octopus that, um, as far as I can tell, maybe had not been observed as intently as he observed this particular animal. So the show's about him observing an animal over a year's time? Yeah, and it's excellent. I know it's not your cup of tea, but also you don't drink tea, so whatever. Nope, don't drink tea. Not into tea whatsoever, or coffee either for that matter. Like orange juice. Anyway, so meteors crashing into the planet. You know, um, we missed the one on November 2nd. When's the next one that might hit? Well, actually, we just missed one that skimmed the Earth about um, a week ago. Define skim. Well, they say that it bounced off of the stratosphere. It came in pretty hot, but it wasn't that big. It says, but it's like it would have burned up in the atmosphere anyway. I think it was, I think they said it was 10 meters across, five or 10 meters, but that it actually hit the stratosphere. And like like a rock skipping across water, it kind of skipped, and you could see the sparking a little bit. And it was a meteor, not an asteroid? Everything is an asteroid until it comes into the atmosphere, then it becomes a meteor. Let's see. Here's the European Space Agency. So that's a legitimate source. Lucky meteor skims Earth's atmosphere. This was uh, September 24, 2020. But you're saying there's one um, that was happened in November? No, that was the one I was talking about. But that's not the one to worry about. The big one right now, from what I understand, the one that might dissolve, is, it comes in 1968, so we're not going to see it. You mean 2068? 2068. 2068 is the one that... You're getting... I'm like, are we traveling in time? 2068 is the one that's going to be the uh, the game changer. They're saying more and more looks like it's going to be a direct impact. 
It's going to be a tough one to pull out, tough one to survive. Let's see. Uh, asteroid Apophis speeding up from sunlight as scientists recalculate odds of 2068. Some of these are asteroids that spin around the Earth. It's just at a certain time it's going to collide. And I don't know if that's one that comes by on a regular basis. And they just estimate it'll actually make contact by 2068 because if that's the case, it could actually come in sooner. But understand that one that just skimmed off it, they didn't see that one coming. We don't see a lot of them that are coming. No. And have you ever seen a picture? I've seen like an image of all the different near-Earth objects that are around us. It is insane. There are so many of them. Yes. They can only track so many of them. I think if every day they try to warn you of the ones that were coming in, it would just be like overkill. You wouldn't even care after a while. When the big one came back, oh, fucking at last. I'm scared this thing for fucking for 20 years. So the only ones that they worry about are the ones that are really threatening. Asteroids burn into the earth every day. They say that you can go to the top of the roof of your house and if you sweep it up and if you went through with a microscope and looked, you would see a lot of little different pieces of asteroids or meteors that are on top of every single home on the planet. Nice. And they go out in the desert and they collect samples. And a lot of that is just space debris that's just fallen over the course of so many years. And it's all just little particles from space. We're not sealed in a Ziploc here. Like there's a lot of stuff that comes into our solar system, into our own atmosphere. I mean, how do we think the earth got formed in the first place? And how do we think water got here? And how do we think all kinds of elements got here? It was supernova and all kinds of other uh, things happening. It's not going to stop just because there are some people with brains living on the planet. Oh, you mean humans? You mean monkeys with brains? Yeah, I said people. I did not say monkeys. I said people. I said talking apes myself, mushroom apes living on the outside. But just because we're here, I mean, that didn't stop the multiple levels of extinction which have happened from other impact meteors coming in, you know. So I don't think that talking mushroom-eating apes are going to make a difference. That was my point. I said the cycle, the system of the universe is not going to change its course because there are a couple of, you know, talking apes on a planet in the far middle of nowhere. Well, I have my own beliefs. Which are? It's the hollow earth theory. I think that all precious life exists on the inside of the planet and that we're just the dumb ones stuck on the outside. Then why aren't you spending more time trying to get onto the inside of the planet? It seems like a better use of your time. We're so caught up on our everyday. For me to get on the inside of the planet, I would need to be able to craft a vehicle to get me down to the South Pole, to craft a location to stay for at least a year to like find the proper entrance to slowly go down just to get to the front gate and knock and then the opening scope. Excuse me. Uh, you're down the list. Close it back up again. Fuck. All that work. Exactly. So you're saying it's just not worth it? It's not worth it. Might as well go on and burn all your 80 days here just trying to make yourself happy. <laughs> when the big one comes, you're going to be done anyway. And they're not letting you on the club inside. It's true. It's a VIP list and you're not on it. It looks like Apophis uh, orbits the sun, so it doesn't orbit Earth. That means that the only reason that it's of concern is because we can see when it's going to orbit back around in the coming years, I think 2028 and et cetera. And depending on where Earth is in relation to its orbit around the sun, we may end up in a very close approximation to, you know, 
crossing one another's paths. Yeah, that's bad. If it orbit the Earth, we'd be good. Um, if it orbit Venus, we'd be a little bit more in trouble. But if it orbits the Sun, we're screwed. Because if it orbits the Earth, our gravitational pull is going to prevent it from ever really hitting the planet. The one that just misses back on November 3rd, that one was orbiting Venus. It started getting further away from Venus, and that's how come it got caught into our path, which makes it danger to us. The 2008 one is orbiting the sun. According to the theorists, that's how we got our moon. There was another planet that wasn't in line with the ones that are circling around us. It was orbiting the sun, and it hit Earth, and it broke off. Uh, and a big chunk of that is what made the moon and pulled us into a tilt, which caused us to have changing climates. Which made it possible for us to actually exist if you uh, subscribe to the theory of evolution. Yes. Exists on the outside of the planet. That has nothing to do with life on the inside of the planet, which is where I think everything is anyway. What do you need for life to exist? On the inside of the Earth, what you would need would be oxygen, water, and that's it. Look at life at the bottom of the ocean. There's fluorescent light that keeps it alive. There is life at the bottom of the ocean that exists just fine without direct sunlight. In the center of the earth, there can be humanoid beings that exist on fluorescent light and they eat on the natural foods underneath the earth and drink the water underneath the earth and they have oxygen that comes from the holes that lead down into the caverns. And they probably don't want for anything. The temperature never changes. They're not like us on the outside. We struggle for existence because uh, we're on the outside of the ball. We have weather changes, water shortages, and then we make it worse by our own hand. You don't think that the earth changes like deep earthquakes or plasma uh, shifts from the core affect anybody living somewhere under the earth's crust? I think the tectonic plates are above them, so I don't think they affect them in any way. That doesn't work because the plates shift and yet they can cause movement across the planet and around the planet and through the planet. Just because the plate is above you doesn't mean the movement isn't going to radiate downward or outward. The movement created there doesn't just go upward. It goes in all directions. The plates shift one on top of one another, back and forth. The best way I describe it is looking at a walnut. The outside green portion of the walnut is the grass and the earth below our feet. That's the green. The shell of the walnut are the tectonic plates. And they can shift and move around within themselves, but they still stay pretty much as a complete form. And then inside that is like the nut where all life exists. I think even within that, there's another center core, and that's where they get warmth and some form of light from. I don't think that the plates affect them the way that they affect us. I think we're on top of the plates. I think there's another layer underneath the plates that's a round surface that doesn't move. Our plates shift underneath our feet, and that causes our areas to change. Yeah, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. Maybe there are places to shift that make their lives change. It doesn't matter. We're not going to get to go there. We are stuck on the outside of the ball. Enjoy life on the outside of the party. And if you get a ticket, just make sure that it says for two.
Please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 17 minutes podcast. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. They're listed on our website and social media. Check them out. Have a blessed Sabbath. Shabbat Shalom. Snip, snip.